The following audio is from White River Christian Church. More information about White River is available on the WRCC mobile app or at wrcc.org. Well, good morning. It is good to be here with you all today. I got a quick question before we get started. I'm sure many of you could use one of these, and if you can't see this shiny $1 million bill, um, I've got one here for you. Um, Actually, it's not real because I wouldn't bring all of my cash um, up front in front of you. Um, It's also not real because on the back there is an explanation of the gospel on the back. And um, I don't think that's our currency these days. Um, In fact, the highest bill that is printed these days is a $100 bill for the record. But um, it is not real. But it is interesting to me to see the links with which people will go to share about Jesus with other people. And it's good. That's an amazingly helpful impulse. But I don't think it's a great first impression if you thought you found a million dollars and on the back you knew that you were tricked in that moment. I don't think that's a great strategy for the first time someone could hear about Jesus to hear about it that way. Um, We are talking about something that is more important than pretty much anything that we do because it is at the core of what we do. And that is connecting every life to Jesus. That is our mission. That is what we're here to do. That is what everything we do at White River is supposed to be about. Our mission, connecting every life to Jesus. But the question is how? How do we do that? You can know what our mission is But it's most important that we know, if you're a part of our church, how do we want to do this? How are we as a church going about accomplishing our mission of connecting every life to Jesus? So the strategy is not just to pass these babies out to you today and say, we did our job. I'm sure you can sprinkle these around the Meyer parking lot and people will come to faith in Jesus, right? That is not our strategy. We're not doing that. But I wonder if we've thought about how we go about that. Because sometimes I fear that we lean on things that maybe aren't the most effective when we're talking about this is why we exist. I mean, have you ever thought, you know, maybe we should put a big billboard on 37 or 465 that says something about Jesus or or coming to get connected at White River. Or maybe we need to get a mailer in every single person's mailbox in Hamilton County. Then maybe people will hear and know about Jesus. Maybe we need to have an ad campaign on social media and people will know about Jesus. You see, there's nothing wrong with those methods, but if we rely on things where maybe they're divorced from relationship, does that really work in 2022? How do we do this? Because we believe with every ounce of our being, that's why we exist, connecting every life to Jesus. And I hope because you're here today or you're participating online today, that that is why you connect here at White Rivers because you get closer connected to Jesus by being a part of White River Christian Church. And you wanna bring other people along every life. That's the every life piece because that is who we are and what 
we're here to do. But I'm telling you, I think it would be a gigantic mistake if we tried to do that without relationships. If we relied on things to do the main thing that God has called us to do. So that is our question precisely in these next few weeks in this new sermon series. What is our strategy? What is the strategy? How are we going about connecting every life to Jesus? That is what we're going to talk about. And I am here to tell you that the scriptures are full, full of instruction for us on how to go about making disciples. How do we connect people to Jesus? How can we do this thing that we feel like God has called us to do because he has? And so I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. I'm going to have that on the screen. This is a central verse as far as where we're coming from, where we think God has given us some very specific instruction here that is very central to how we are going about this. And Peter says this, instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. So, Peter says pretty clearly, the first thing that you do is you worship Christ. You worship. You need to be connected to Jesus. He says, you worship Christ as Lord of your life. So in all of your life, we need to worship Jesus. We need to be connected to him. And that is what we need to focus on, worshiping Jesus ourselves. And when we do that, when we are living our life, he says certain things we can expect to happen. He says, if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, be ready. Be ready to talk about why you live your life a certain way. That is the summary of what Peter tells us. And I would say Peter's answer to our question, how should we connect lives to Jesus, is this. I think he's saying we need to live highly questionable lives. I think that's what Peter is saying, that our lives need to invite questions by how we live, that we worship Jesus. And in this age, if we do that ruthlessly, we will look different than the culture around us and people will just ask you, why do you do what you do? Why do you talk that way? Why do you do these things in your relationships and with your money and all these other things that we can do that will raise questions? And I know that maybe sounds a little funny because when I think about living a highly questionable life, I think about, you know, the neighbor down the street and it's like, what's going on in that garage? I'm not really sure what's going on over there. Or maybe you think about a coworker or that crazy relative who had a little proposition for you how to partner with them in this nice business deal recently. And you thought, that sounds a little questionable. I don't think that's going to work. You know, that's what we think about when we think about living a life or having a lifestyle that's questionable. No, we're not talking about questionably negative, correct. It certainly is. But everything we do in life does invite questions, whether you live that way or any way. Think of it. 
You know, I think about the people that live around me. How come this neighbor is always gone? What are they doing all the time? I wonder. How come this other neighbor, their yard is always perfect? How come this person that I work with, why, why do they have a new car again? I wonder. How come this person is so quiet all the time? How come this person over here always asks questions? You see, no matter who you are and what you do, it does invite questions. We just have to live a certain way. And what kind of questions are we going to invite by the way that we live? And so 1 Peter 3, again, is this core passage that we think explains exactly how we're to live at least that strategy of living it out. And because we're talking about something that's so central to who we are at White River, like our mission, how are we gonna do this? We wanna make sure that it's not just one passage that we're pulling out and saying, we're gonna base everything we do on one verse. We don't wanna do that. We wanna make sure it's all over the New Testament. So we're actually gonna spend our time today in Colossians chapter four. So turn to Colossians chapter four. We heard what Peter had to say. And Colossians was written by the apostle Paul. So we want to see is what God was saying to Peter and Paul. Are they the same? And does this line up with our strategy? If it really is about having all of us living questionable, highly questionable lives. This is what Paul says. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. I don't know if you heard that, especially in those last couple of verses. It sounds to me a lot like what Peter was saying, that you are to live, verse 5, live a certain way. You're supposed to make the most of these opportunities. You're supposed to have conversation with all kinds of people, in a sense, live a highly questionable life that invites these questions. And so I actually want to dig a little deeper here and walk through these verses a little slower because there's some nuances that really inform why we do what we do here and how we want you to participate in it moving forward. Because we really want to make sure that everybody is on the same page. If you call White River home, if we really got going the same direction in doing these things, we believe it would change not just our community, but potentially even the world. So let's see verse 2. Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Paul knows where we need to start. God knows where we need to start if we're really going to accomplish our mission of connecting every life to Jesus. We have to start with prayer. That's where you have to start because it is ultimately a spiritual thing. 
that we're talking about. That God has to open hearts. He has to open the minds to be receptive to his son, Jesus. That's something only the Holy Spirit can do. And we have to start with prayer. We're not going anywhere without it. It's like gasoline to your car. Not in the, in the terms of how expensive it is. <laughs> Definitely not that. But how important it is. Your car could not go without gasoline. We cannot go without prayer. It just won't happen. And Paul says it this way, devote yourself. Devote yourself to prayer. Meaning that's, that's where your devotion is. You need to be starting there. That's where we begin. It's the first thing he says. So I want to ask, how are we doing with that? How are you doing with that? Are we praying? Are we a praying people? We talk a lot about, from up front, certain rhythms of the Christian life that are foundational. And this is one of them. We cannot get around this. This is so important. And what it might look like to be devoted to prayer doesn't mean that you spend every single moment with your hands folded down, with your head down and eyes closed. That's not necessarily what Paul means. It means that we will certainly have times where we are praying actively. And Paul elsewhere in 1 Thessalonians 5 says, pray continually. And what does he mean by that? Well, I think he means that we need to be praying enough, that we're aware of what God is doing, that we're praying enough that we don't forget about him during the day that we're praying enough, that we're aware of what he's doing in us, that we're praying enough that we can sense when he's asking us to do something or to say something. That means we need to be praying frequently. And if we're going to connect lives to Jesus, then we have to be people of prayer. That's where we start. And if we can't get that, there's no use moving on. In fact, Paul even reiterates this because the next thing he says involves prayer as well. Verse three, he says, pray for us too. Which is kind of interesting to me because we're kind of in this section where Paul's giving the believers instructions and he's saying, you need to pray for us. Well, who's us? That's Paul himself and the people that are serving in ministry vocationally. The people that are preaching the gospel. Paul is saying, I need you, the church here in Colossae, the church in that city, we need you to pray for the people that are preaching. Well, how are we supposed to pray or what are we supposed to pray for the preachers? Paul says, pray for us that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. He's saying, I'm in Jail. He's imprisoned because of preaching the gospel. But he says, pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. So Paul is saying he needs the church to participate with him in this ministry by praying for him, by praying for others that will have many opportunities. And that's what we need everyone to do. We need everybody to be praying for opportunities that the gospel will go out. 
And we need everyone to be praying for the people, whoever they are, whoever has that opportunity. And maybe it's you, or maybe it's somebody who's going to step up and teach at VBS from up front and explain how Jesus loves little kids. Or maybe it's another pastor on our team or whoever it may be, whoever has the opportunity to stand up and teach, may they proclaim it clearly, Paul says, that that is what we need you to pray about. We need to pray for people like myself who have these opportunities to share about Jesus, that it would be clear, that it would be compelling, that it would be winsome so that people could be moved to place their faith and trust in Jesus. That is what all of us bear that responsibility together. It's not just the teachers up front. It is all of us. And the opportunities that we have up in front of people are not more important than all of the other opportunities throughout the week. You know, I'm very aware that I'm the only person talking right now. (laughs) It's very clear. But that's what God has asked me to do. And I need you to pray for me and others who stand up here so that it would be clear that it would be compelling and that we would have many, many more opportunities and that the people that need to hear it will be out there listening to it. See, it's not a coincidence that we're talking about this right now because we're entering a season where we have some of our greatest opportunities regards to this. We have the greatest opportunities in numbers where we're going to interact with people who don't normally come to church. Like we've said, VBS is coming up and we need you to be praying for our teachers that are going to be talking about the gospel with kids. We need you to be praying about summer Sundays where we're going to have all kinds of opportunities to interact with people who don't normally come to church. Maybe that's going to be here in Noblesville, or maybe they're going to be on a boat at Morse in Cicero. When we're up there, be praying with us for these opportunities to connect with people that need to hear about Jesus, and that it would be clear, and they would understand exactly what Jesus did for them, why he did it, and that he loves them. That is what we need you to do. And so we start to see what Paul is explaining, a strategy that we are embracing here. That yes, we need to be people of prayer, but we need to be praying specifically for these opportunities for gifted evangelists to share the gospel. And you may be wondering, well, I thought we were talking about all of us living highly questionable lives. We are. That is exactly what Paul gets to and what Peter was talking about. But it's almost like we have these two gigantic fists of, um, of strategy where we're praying and we're praying for people that are gifted to share in large gatherings. But the largest piece of that engine and that car that we are building is all of you living a certain way. And maybe you've heard this a time or two. I want to take a second and just talk about it. Where have you heard that all of us, anybody who believes in Jesus, you are called to share your faith and be able to teach? Is that true? Absolutely. We've been reading. You need to be ready to explain it. So we all need to know. But what we're talking about, these specific opportunities to be praying for, are for those that are gifted in their teaching and explaining the gospel. 
that there are certain people that have been given a gift by the Holy Spirit to explain it well. That for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit uses them. That's what a spiritual gift is. And in the New Testament, Paul and and the rest of the writers, they talk about these gifts that every believer has at least a gift. But some of you, they've been distributed, have the gift of sharing the gospel or maybe teaching. And those are the people that we need to identify and get you up front. And we need to be praying that they have these opportunities And so, yes, we're all asked to share our faith, but there are some of you, and maybe you've never even used this gift before. You need to have the opportunity to step up and share the gospel clearly because God will use you. He wants to use you. Because I know, most Christians that I know, you don't get up in front and teach. As the famous theologian Jerry Seinfeld once said, most people would rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy. I know this. Not everyone's called to be up front, to be teaching. But man, we need everybody owning that responsibility, praying for the gospel to be taught clearly every week. Because that's what we do every week. We gather together every week to explain how much Jesus loves us and what he's done. And we need to pray for those opportunities that the right people are here to hear it in these moments. But specifically, as we head into some of these key strategic moments for us as a church, would you pray with us for VBS? Would you pray with us for summer Sundays? Would you pray with us every week that people would hear the good news of Jesus. Many opportunities. Thank you. Thank you for doing that with us. So that prayer is the gasoline and the teaching is just a small part of the strategy. The biggest part of the strategy is seen here in verses five and six, which we've been talking about. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. So I think this is Paul's version of his challenge to you to live a highly questionable life, just like Peter did, but living this highly questionable life means something very specific. Verse five, he says, live. Again, this is about how you live, that there's something that we need to do as we live. There's a certain way in which we live, not questionable negative, like we've said, but questionable in that people will wonder, why do you live that way? Why do you make those kinds of decisions? Why do you talk that way? Why this? We have to live in such a way that we invite these questions. And we need to live, as you'll notice, among people that are different than us. We have to live and interact with people that don't believe the things that we believe. Verse 5 says that we're to live among non-believers. We're not supposed to get in Christian bubbles. We need to live among people that are very different than us. And it's really important that we do because that is why God has us here. This is what we are supposed to be doing, connecting lives to Jesus. And we have to be able to be among people that aren't 
in order to do it. We have to be among non-believers. And so we shouldn't be shocked when the people around us, when the people at work, the people you live near, the people you interact with do and say things that are very different than you or the things that you would even appreciate or like or approve. It shouldn't surprise us. We're supposed to live among them and we're supposed to live among them in such a way that they would be curious about us. And that is the challenge. You know, I love how Paul talks about this in verse six. It's like we're supposed to be super strategic in verses five and six, he says, make the most of every opportunity. It's almost like we need to be praying constantly so then we're aware when we have these strategic opportunities. Any moment, any opportunity, use it wisely. But we're supposed to do it in a certain way. He says, have a conversation. Verse six, that you're having conversations with these people and you're gracious and attractive so that everyone will have the right response. You see, we're supposed to live graciously. It's like the way we have conversations is even more important than what we say. And so if you're ever anxious or nervous, like what would I say if someone asks me? That's okay. What's more important than even that is how you say it. Paul says it needs to be gracious. It needs to be attractive some translations in that verse six, it says, let your speech be seasoned with salt. Like you need to sprinkle your language with something that is enticing, that tastes good, that preserves it, that might make somebody want a little bit more. It's very interesting how he talks about that, but that is how we're supposed to talk with people that disagree with us, that don't believe what we do, that we should be winsome, we should be welcoming, we should be gracious, respectful. And that's very challenging in a very polarizing world and how we live and maybe even how we have those conversations should invite questions as we interact with people that are different than us. I just want to read 1 Peter 3 again and uh, verse 16 as well because I stopped in verse 15 earlier because it reiterates these things. Verse 15, instead, remember, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. There that is again. Keep your conscience clear. And if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. The way we live for Jesus is so much more important than the words we say for him. That if we really understand that as a church, the engine that God has designed for White River to connect every life to Jesus will be functioning well. That if we worry more about how we're living than what we're saying. But if we just think about, you know, we need to be ready, of course. But how we're doing that is so much more important. And so our strategy is so clear. We don't want it to be a secret, whether you are a part of our church or not. We want you to know why we're doing the things that we're doing. 
It's so important that you know this, that we are praying, that we're praying for the people who have the opportunities to preach and to teach about Jesus and that those are clear and effective. And then that everybody who's already involved in those other things, but that everybody, if we live a certain way, God will use our church to do amazing things and connect lives to Jesus. Because this is the model that Peter talks about. This is the model that Paul talked about. This is the model that they talked about to the early church and the one that they adopted. If we get some people to gatherings where the gospel was preached because of how we lived, we could change the world if they just see how we live differently. And they did. It's amazing to see that on the basis of this biblical advice and through the Holy Spirit's power, what God did in the early church, the church exploded. It took over a hostile Roman empire that was trying to eliminate the Christian faith. That's how hostile it was. So if we're afraid of what maybe is out there in the culture, we don't have to be. God is with us. He's given us a blueprint to be gracious and respectful and to live a certain way. See, there was only a few thousand people that were following Jesus even decades after Jesus rose from the dead in the first century. And just about 300 years later, there were millions and millions and millions of people who follow and love Jesus and started copying this way of life People did things so radically in the early church that the most powerful people in the world took notice. The Roman emperor in uh, the middle of the fourth century, Julian, said this. He said, when it came about that the poor were neglected and overlooked, then I think the impious Galileans, which he's talking about Christians, they were just a sect from Galilee to him, they observed this fact and devoted themselves to philanthropy. And they gained their ascendancy because they started disrupting the world. They gained their ascendancy in the worst of deeds. He said, by the same method, the Galileans began with their so-called love feast or hospitality or service, for they have many ways of ca carrying it out and call it by many names. And the result is that they have led very many people into atheism. This is what the emperor said. They, he le they've led people into atheism because he and the rest of the world thought that we worship all these other gods. And since they were rejecting these gods, they thought they were atheists. That's how different they thought in their worldview. But one thing that he noticed was that they ascended as a group by the small things that they did, they took care of the poor. They had hospitality. They served people. Those are the things that he mentions. That's fascinating that it's simple, small, ordinary things that believers did and it changed the world. They changed the world. And so for the next five weeks, we are going to focus on five habits that highly questionable Christians will have in their life. Five things, and they're not the only five things, there's lots of things, but we're going to pick five things that are very simple, but I believe they're going to challenge you deeply.
in ways that maybe you've never done them. And maybe they're a little simple, but I know we're going to push it a little bit. And it's just a simple acronym so that maybe we can remember this and it can have legs beyond five weeks. And we got this from an Australian pastor named Michael Frost. He called these five habits of highly missional people called bells, that we would bless people, that we would eat with people, that we would listen to them, that we would learn from them, and that we would remember that we are sent everywhere we go. And if we do these five things, those are the things that the early church did, and they were prepared to give an answer when people asked them, why do you do those things? And it changed the world. So how are we going to connect lives to Jesus? We're going to live highly questionable lives. We are. We really believe this is the way forward. And there is evidence that as a church, White River, we really believe this. We've put a lot in terms of an investment into a concept in Arcadia I hope you are familiar with. We're coming up on a two-year anniversary up in Arcadia with our coffee shop, the Remnant Coffee Shop, where our folks at Hamilton North worship every week. It came about, if you don't know the story, we were three years into this thing called Hamilton North, another campus. Um, We had people that lived in northern Hamilton County, and we were looking for a permanent place to worship. And we were asking the question, what if we adopted a 1 Peter 3, a Colossians 4 way of thinking? What if instead of building a more traditional church, we built something where people would go, why did you do that? (laughs) And that's honestly exactly what we're trying to do. What could we do if we blessed the community and we ate with the community? We had a space where we could listen to them and learn from them and remind our church that they're sent every single day. And it's been an amazing journey to see God bless that kind of thinking And it's our hope that we infuse everything that we're doing with this kind of strategy, that we're praying for the gospel to be preached, and that we have a church that is equipped to live differently in the culture around us. We really believe that God will do something amazing if we embrace this moving forward. So I want you to be encouraged that that is already happening through you. It is. It's happening here in Noblesville. It's happening everywhere people call White River home. And so as we're going through these next weeks, we actually want to start where Paul starts. We want to start with prayer. That's really where we need to start. Because as we said, this is a spiritual thing. We need the Holy Spirit to go before us. We need him to go ahead of us. If people are going to change their life and receive Jesus if we are going to connect deeper and deeper to him. And so if you see in the pews around you, there should be some note cards and some pens or sharpies. And we want you to think about a name. Think about somebody who needs to be connected to Jesus. If you could just write their first name. And again, this is somebody that you interact with not some celebrity or political person. We can pray for them, but I want somebody that you interact with. Maybe that's a family member. Maybe that's a child. Maybe that's a coworker. Maybe that's a neighbor. Maybe that's a kid's set of parents 
Or maybe it's somebody you don't even know their name. It's the guy across the street. Put guy across the street. It doesn't really matter. We hope you learn their name, but we want that there. Or maybe you just put their first initial. We want you to be intentional, to make the most of every opportunity. And we want to show you that we are a praying church. And so we're gonna respond in worship and in prayer today because I believe that we can't buy followers of Jesus. It's not what Paul asked us to do. We're not gonna market our way into a larger church, but we are gonna live our way questionably (laughs) to invite the questions that will lead people to wonder what is this faith all about? And we need to be praying ahead of that. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for challenging us deeply, for going before us each and every time that the gospel is shared, that people need to hear it. We pray that it is clear today and in the future with these great opportunities coming up. God, we thank you that you have given us an army of people that can live the way that you have instructed us to live so that people would ask us, why do you have so much hope? Why? In a world where it seems like we shouldn't, we do because we love and know your son Jesus. Empower and equip White River Christian Church to live lives that invite these questions. We pray this in your name. Amen.